The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. So Romans 8, 28 through 30, we're going to be reading. And we know that though, for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And, who, and those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Well, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study your redemption, Lord, what you have done for us. I thank you for the call that we're going to look at this morning the calling of your life through the good news, Lord, the gospel. And I just pray, Lord, that we will be attentive and just listen to what you are saying in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are uh, in week two of our series on the elements of redemption. Uh, last week, uh, Jay led us through predestination. Uh, it's a pretty tough topic. Uh, essentially, before... The world was even formed. God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit chose some people to be redeemed out of the bondage of their sin. Um, just a side note here, redemption, if you guys weren't here last week, uh, redemption is the process by which Christ credited our, uh, our account uh, with righteousness and took our debt um, on the cross. So th- this uh, this topic of predestination um, is a hard, hard subject. People really struggle and uh, argue about it all the time. Uh, the question is, is you know, why did God put it there? You know, why, why is it in the Bible? He didn't have to tell us anything about that. Um, he didn't put it in there so we could argue about free will or, or God's sovereignty. Um, the point of it is to give us comfort and security and blessing. And uh, I'm glad Jay focused on that and not just an apologetic of you know, what predestination is. Well, God's calling is, can be challenging as well, as we're going to see here in a little bit. Uh, but with this call, God, excuse me, God enacts his plan from eternity past to personally invite you into a relationship with him. So long before the world was even created, God chose you, and he was waiting all that time till the moment that he had chosen to call you to a relationship with him. Uh, what an awesome thing to think about. Uh, the all-powerful God of the universe says to you, I love you. It calls you to come to him. Now, I want to start out with a couple of theological thoughts to help us kind of frame uh, God's calling. Um, there's kind of two calls in the Bible that we're going to look at. They have given theological terms to make you know, things easy or more complicated, however you want to look at it. Uh, so we're going to look at, first of all, a general call and then an effectual call. Um, the general call is just a, a basic call that God puts out there. Um, Jesus said, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
So just a, a basic general to everybody out there, you know, come, come to me. Um, the effectual call, on the other hand, um, the theologian uh, Wayne Grudem in his book says, effective calling is an act of God the Father speaking through the human proclamation of the gospel in which he summons people to himself in such a way that they respond in saving faith. So I underlined summons. Uh, I feel that to be a real powerful world, word here that God would call us the, the creator of the universe and he's calling us to him. We, we can't resist that call. Um, think back to when you guys were teenagers and you know, it's Monday morning and you know, it's seven o'clock and you hear your mom say, David, or whatever your name is, put in there, come downstairs, it's almost time to go to school. And you're like, okay. And you know, you're in the middle of doing what you're doing and five, 10 minutes go by. Then you hear another, another call. David Paul McCurdy, come downstairs, it's time to go to school. Now, the message is mostly the same. However, the first one, you're like, eh, you know, I can do this later. You know, yes, God, God's there. And, you know, but I'm going to live my life and, you know, he's going to be there. But this effectual call or effective calling is a summons. Like once, once we have that call, we're like, I'm going downstairs right now. Like I'm going to answer this call. Um, another way to look at it, it's an irresistible call. Uh, once this call is, is given, it's received 100% of the time. Now, this is where it gets kind of dicey, like uh, predestination. You know, if, if it's 100% of the time, God's calling and we can't resist it, then where does free will come in involved in this? Um, but the way I want to look at it is... First of all, the Bible is clear that we have responsibility. We're responsible to respond to the gospel, responsible for our actions. Um, but also the Bible says that God is sovereign and is in control of everything and he, call, he calls us, he chooses us. So you know, how, how do we put these two things together? Um, how I look at it is, do we have free will? Yes. Is God sovereign? Yes. Somehow, God can marriage those two things together, and our minds can't comprehend it. Um, how I look at God's calling and that answering is, uh, you know, we could say no. We have the option, but once God opens our eyes to, um, you know, to the gospel truth, like, we don't want to say no. That, that's how I wrap my brain around it. Uh, obviously, it's not 100% the way it is, but that's all we can do. Now you may ask, how do I know that uh, it's 100% answered, this call that God gives? And the answer here is in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 30. So those he, he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified and then also glorified. So 100% of the time when he predestined, he calls them. And 100% of the time when he calls them, he justifies, which we'll get into that word later. And then ultimately glorify. So every time, or what, once he calls us, it starts an unbreakable chain that nothing can stop. 
So we're going to dive into our passage now in Second um, Thessalonians. Uh, I know we started here in Romans. That's where the basis of our sermon series takes place. But we're going to look uh, into the, more about God's calling in Second Thessalonians. Um, now hold your, put a marker here in Romans because we're going to be uh, back here several times throughout the message. Um, there's a lot about redemption in the book of Romans. And it's going to shed some light on, on our subject today. So uh, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. Uh, for those um, who have one of the Bibles in the back, that's on page 930. It's not, not too far, uh, a little farther back in your, in your Bible. But as you're, as you're turning there, um, I just want to share a story um, with you. Actually, let's back up one second. Um, the main point or the main idea of what we're going to see today is God's calling allows us to stand firm in our redemption. Um, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians, as I said, uh, chapter 2, verses 9 through 17. So we can stand firm in our redemption. So um, I want to tell you a story about a hike that I went on with my family a few weeks ago, um, and the Knight's, Knight family joined us as well. Uh, it was about 4.30 at night, so, you know, Maybe not the best time to go to hike, but that's when it, that's when it happened anyway. So uh, we went up uh, hill slowly, um, and I was like, well, it's sunrise or sunset's coming, you know, maybe we should go back. And, but who wants to climb a mountain without actually getting to the top of the mountain? So uh, we got up the top, um, took us about an hour or so to get up the top, and it was starting to get dark, but... We, you know, we worked our way back down and found this shortcut um, that would take a lot quicker. It would be a lot quicker. So we started going on the shortcut. Well, we weren't really thinking that, you know, it was a long winding path to get up there. But if we're going to go down quicker, it's going to be much steeper. So we started going down this path. And uh, well, once we started, we couldn't go back because we'd already spent that amount of time. And obviously, it's getting darker. Um, but there was lots of rocks and and obviously there's leaves from the fallen leaves. So it was very, the ground was very unstable and hard to um, you know, keep yourself from falling. I know I myself fell, I think, at least twice, and probably everyone fell at least once. But eventually we made it down the hill. It seemed like it was going to be forever going down it because you really couldn't see when it stopped. It just kind of kept going and going. But um, the point of the story is, is, when it comes to our redemption, um, God wants us to be confident and be able to stand firm in what he's done for us and in the calling that he has in our lives. He doesn't want us to worry about, you know, where we're going, like what's going to happen when I die. Like because of God's call, we know that ultimately we'll go to heaven. And yet there's lots of things that are to come up in life and no matter what they are, they're not going to change that fact. So the, the first point we're going to see in the passage is that we can stand firm in God's call that our redemption is unmerited. So we're going to read, uh, it's going to be in verses 9 through 13 in 2 Thessalonians. And I'm actually going to read the whole, whole passage here and then we're going to focus on um, 9 through 13. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. 
Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good word, every good work and word. So in the first part, we're going to see that our redemption is unmerited. Now, uh, it mentions about this lawless one here, and I didn't really, this is not really what the message is about, but just to give you a little backstory about this, um, they talk about it more in the beginning of the chapter um, that we didn't read. Um, But this person decides to claim himself to be God. Um, Now, there's some debate of, who this is and when this takes place. Um, but however, the, the, this part of the passage that we're looking at is um, applicable to any time period. Um, there's multiple times in the Bible where um, God talks about giving us over to our, our earthly passions and desires um, in order for them to, you know, destroy us. <clears throat> so... Um, what Paul's doing in this, in this whole chapter is, is contrasting the condemned with the called. As I said, we didn't, I didn't read the first part of that, but I encourage you guys to maybe later today or throughout the week, uh, read through the whole, whole chapter and make a, a column for each um, contrasting the, the condemned and the called. And you'll see the parallels that are here in this passage. But what I want us to see in this passage is why is this call necessary? Uh, what state were we in before God called us? What, what trajectory were we on before, before Christ inter, interceded for us? Uh, we're going to see three points here um, that the author points out. Um, first of all, we do not believe the truth. In verse 10 it says, um, we do not love the truth. And then also we see in verse 12 that we do not believe in the truth. So what, what truth are we talking about here? Well, in this passage, um, it's referring to the, this man of lawlessness who claimed that he was God, and the, and the people were believing him and worshiped and listened to what he had to say. And the question is, is why, why were they doing that? Why did they believe this, this uh, <coughs> myth that this person was God? <coughs> the reason is, is because they liked what he had to say. Um, and the other reason, which is going to be the next point, is that they loved unrighteousness. And in the last uh, part of verse 12, it says, but had pl- they had, uh, sorry, let me just read that whole thing. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So they enjoy doing what they wanted to do and not what God wanted. Now, uh, we're going to flip back into Romans now. It's going to give us a little insight into this uh, and ourselves. Um, Romans 3, 
verses 10 through 18. Let's skip over back to Romans. It should be up on the uh, screen there. All right, in verse 10, as it is written, so this is talking about the Old Testament. This is quoting here. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So this, this seems pretty harsh, um, you might think. Um, you know, there's countless stories of people that you know, before, or before they were Christians or they never became Christians, that they, good things that they had done. And uh, what this passage is not saying that those things that they were doing weren't good. Um, the problem was is their motive that was behind them. Before Christ, um, they were doing things for themselves. Everything was prideful and selfish. And without, without knowing God, there's no way for us to bring glory to him because we are just stuck, stuck inside ourselves. Um, sometimes I think about you know, what I was like before I was a Christian and you know, I didn't think I was that bad and you might not think that you're that bad either. You, know? you uh, go to church, obviously you're here this morning. Uh, you might help your neighbor. You, know, you don't generally tell lies. You know, a few, but you know, that's okay. But in the end, all those good deeds um, we're done out of pride. And now that I'm older, I, I see a lot more pride in myself than um, I ever did when I was younger. Um, and, that, and that's really the, the key here, um, this passage. So besides not believing in the truth and unrighteousness, um, we also see in this passage that um, they were under punishment. In verse 12, it says, um, in order that they may be condemned. So they're under condemnation. Verse 10 says that they were perishing. And, and you know, what, why were they being condemned? Why were they perishing? Because of their sin. Um, the Bible says in Romans, uh, the wages of sin is death. So this is physical and spiritual death. So this is the condition, the helpless, sinful, rebellious life that God comes to and, and calls us out of. We see that it's not because of any righteousness that we did that God calls us because we weren't capable of doing any righteousness. Also, we see that we weren't seeking God. Like, we had no desire for him. So it was imperative for his call to come to us because we weren't calling on him. Now, you may ask yourself, how, how can we stand firm in the fact of where we were before because um, it doesn't sound like you can really stand firm in, in any of that. But um, God's calling answers a few of the, the common questions people have. First of all, how can God forgive me for, his, for the, all the bad things I've done? Uh, you hear that all the time. Like, God, there's no way God can forgive me. Well, 
looking at this passage in Romans, we see that everybody was unrighteous before he called them. We were all doing our own things. So, you know, does that mean that no one's a Christian? Well, no, people wouldn't say that. So therefore, if God could save me, he could save you. Uh, Another question people ask is, did I do enough to get to heaven? Well, since we can't get to heaven by our own good works, um, there's no way we can do enough to get to heaven. It's through God and God alone. Um, For the Christian, a common uh, question is, if I keep screwing up, how much longer before God just says, you know, I'm done with you? But once again, you know, God's call shows that God is calling us. It's not because of anything that we did that he calls us. So we can't screw it up, which is awesome. So we can stand firm in our redemption because it's unmerited. Another, another way that we can stand firm in our redemption is that through God's call, it is complete. So that's, that's going to be point number two. We can stand firm in God's call that our redemption is complete. I'm going to read uh, verses, so verse 13 and 14 is where we're going to highlight for this. Uh, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this, he called you through our gospel. We'll stop there. Uh, so there's going to be two words I want to highlight here in this passage um, that helps us understand God's, God's calling. Um, they are the words chosen and sanctification. Now, chosen kind of goes back to, to predestination that we talked about last week, um, but also reemphasizes point number one, the fact that there's nothing that we were doing that, had, uh, get, that gave God any reason to, to choose us. Now, uh, it's not in our, our purview. Like, we, we can't see or understand or know why God makes this decision on who he calls and, and who he doesn't call. So this is not a get out of sharing the gospel free card. Like, we, we don't have that. Um, some people take it that way. But uh, we're going to see later that if, uh, if people don't hear about the gospel, then you know, God can't call them through that. So the second, the second thing we're going to look at is sanctification. Uh, in verse 13, we read, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the, in the truth. So the word sanctification, it's a, it's a big word that uh, obviously we don't use in our daily lives. Uh, but what the word means uh, to sanctify something or someone is to set that person or thing apart for the use that was intended by its designer. So we weren't designed to be creatures of unrighteousness. Uh, we were made to be separated from God. Um, that was not God's original intent. We were designed to have fellowship with him. So sanctification is... Uh, the process where God takes us from where we are not supposed to be and moves us to where he designed us to be. Um, now, this is kind of a, a three-step process. If you've read through the, the Bible, you can kind of see that this word sanctification seems to get thrown around in, in different ways. 
Uh, but we're going to kind of break that down because it's essentially it's a, a three-step process. Uh, first of all, there's an initial act. There's a progressive act. And then there's completeness. Uh, the initial sanctification is the breaking of the power of sin. Um, that, that is what we're seeing in this passage here. That God broke the power of sin. Like we couldn't do anything except for ourselves. And when he broke the power of sin, it allowed us to be able to do things for his glory. So we have the initial and then we have progressive sanctification. So through our lives, we become more like Christ um, as we learn more about him and study his word um, and work on improving the way that we, um, that we live and, and interact with other people. And then there's final, the final sanctification is when eventually, uh, one day when we either die and go to heaven or when he calls us to heaven, that we'll be holy, we'll be perfectly sanctified. So meaning we won't sin at all. So it's a, th- a three-step process, and I'm gonna, we're going to flip back into Romans here because um, there's a passage that kind of explains the whole process um, in just a few verses. So uh, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to actually read verse 16 uh, through 19. I know it says 17, but we're going to slip to, back to 16 here. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient with a heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So first of all, in verse 18, we see the first part of the initial sanctification. Um, It says, having been set free from sin... So we are set free from the power of sin. And then uh, in verse 19, we are slaves to righteousness, which is progressive sanctification. So now we don't always do what we want to do um, once we're saved and once that, the power of sin is broken. But that is, that is our ultimate goal, and that's what we strive to do on a daily basis is to live more like Christ. And eventually, as we see in the second part of verse 19, um, being slaves to righteousness are going to lead to sanctification. So this sanctification here is the, the final sanctification when ultimately we'll be holy like um, God is holy, which is his call to us. Being chosen and sanctified are two results of God's calling. However, there are other events that occur uh, after God's calling um, in uh, stemming from this call in in redemption. So um, God's call kind of kicks off the, the uh, salvation process. So we have, once again, predestination in time past. Then God comes in real time and calls us. And then there's many facets of salvation that occur virtually simultaneously after God's call. 
Now, while they're not mentioned in this passage here, um, I feel it's important to look at, to understand um, you know, what God's call leads us to. It's also going to help to see how God helps us deal with this problem of sin that we saw in point one. Like, how do we move from being sinful in wrath, in, uh, under God's wrath, to being his uh, sons and daughter? So, the, so first of all, we have God's call. Uh, the next step is regeneration. So God, it's another word that we don't use that much, but essentially what happens is God brings us from spiritual death into spiritual life. In order for us to receive God's call, we, we can't be in the state that we were. Um, and remember, we weren't seeking after God, so we needed God's call and then God's regeneration to, to bring us to life in order to accept that call. It leads us to the next point where um, you know, we, we get involved in the process. So before, it's, everything's been God. Um, but now we receive um, his word and his call in faith and repentance. So we answer this irresistible call that he gives us through the gospel. And um, then we realize you know, through this call that you know, we're sinners and we repent of our sins. So after faith and repentance, God does something called justification, which is going to be our sermon next week. A little teaser there for you guys. Um, But essentially, justification is uh, a legal term, and God is declaring us righteous. So, you know, how can God declare us righteous? Because obviously we weren't. Um, It goes back to redemption, where God credits our account with his righteousness and takes out, takes away our sin. So he can call us um, righteous. And I just want to focus on one other part is uh, adoption. This kind of goes hand in hand with justification. Um, adoption is a legal, a legal process kind of, but it's more uh, relational as well. Um, so we essentially move from the enemy of God Having, wanting to have nothing to do with him. And we, he takes us from that and calls us his sons and his daughters. This is a very uh, personal thing, just like God's call is very personal. Uh, it's a very intimate transaction that happens. And it's just awe-inspiring to think that God, who we rebelled against, would choose to save us and have a relationship with him. And he, he wants to have a relationship with us. So once the redemption process is started by God's call, we can stand firm that it's complete. Effectively, God has taken all the barriers that prevents us from getting to him and having that relationship with him. So there's no doubts that we, we are not saved because God has done this for us. What an awesome God that could create such an intricate and intimate plan to make us his sons and daughters. Um, Now that's amazing in itself, but it gets even better. Uh, In the last part of our passage, we're going to see that because of God's call, we are eternally secure in our redemption. 
So our last point, uh, we can stand firm in God's call that our redemption is secure. We're going to read uh, verse 14 through 17. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So we see verse 14, that God's ultimate reason for calling us and his ultimate reason for redemption is glorification. Um, our, our calling leads us to glorification and to share, to share in the glory that Jesus earned with his salvation. Uh, it says in Romans uh, that we are joint heirs with Christ. So we get, a, we get all the benefits of the glory that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross um, because God called us. Like, that's just mind-blowing to think that we did nothing, but yet we get to share in Christ's glory all the work that he did on the cross for us and we did nothing, and yet we get to enjoy that glory. It's just amazing. So I, one thing I want you to take in confidence here is that, you know, there's no way we can lose our salvation. Going back to um, this uh, unbreakable chain, we're predestined, we're called, justified, glorified. That leaves no... No point where we can say, you know, well, maybe we're going to lose our salvation because I did something bad. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe not, you know. But no, God says, those who I predestined, I called. And who I called, I justified. And once you're declared righteous, you know, then you're righteous. Whether you're actually righteous, but in, in, on your account, your, your ledger, you're righteous. So then... You know, you're going to ultimately glorify. There's, there's no going back. Um, now I'm not going to get really get into glorification because that's going to be the last um, point of our series. Uh, Jay's going to be preaching here in a couple weeks, so I'm not going to steal his thunder. Um, but the, la the last thing I want to look at is what does God want us to do with, our, with this confidence in redemption? So wh what are we supposed to do with this? Uh, first of all, in, in verse 16, we see that we can have, uh, we're going to have eternal comfort and through that, or with that, or by that, sorry, we're going to have hope and grace. So we can, we know that ultimately we're going to go to heaven. So we can um, know that we have that in, you know, in sight. We have that hope, the uh, future glory that's going to come. There's nothing going to prevent that from happening. Um, and this is by grace. It says about um, grace in verse 16. And once again, it, it's unmerited. So nothing we can do can, can reverse what God has done. So we can have eternal comfort, but we're also empowered to do good works. Uh, the, last, the last part of the verse there says, uh, establish them in every good work. So we are empowered by the fact um, that God redeemed us and that we are his children, we can be confident in that 
And in, in doing so, we can do good works because of it. Now, I want to make a proposal to you that the good works are tied into redemption. Now, let me put that uh, in other words. Um, we're, um, sorry. Works are not the foundation of our salvation. However, they're a result of our, our redemption. Because we are saved, we will do good things. Um, I want to highlight the, the book of James, chapter 2, which we're not going to get into today. Um, I encourage you to, to read that on your own. Uh, it talks a lot about works and, uh, and salvation. And it may seem in the book, as, as you're reading it, that he's saying that salvation is by works, which we already established is not the case because there's nothing we can do prior to Christ that can earn us our salvation. But what, what the point is that James is trying to get across is once we are, when we are saved, we are naturally going to do good works. We're going to show that faith. And if we don't see that faith, if we don't see good works, then it kind of question whether that person might be saved. Because they just, they go hand in hand. And as you read through James chapter 2, you'll see that. Um, in this passage we see in, in verse 14, I want you to notice that the Thessalonians were called through Paul's gospel. So it says in verse 14 that um, to this he called you through our gospel. So obviously this is not the good news of Paul. Paul's not saying, you know, I'm, I'm the Savior. Um, but what he's saying is you know, through, through his testimony of the gospel, that's how these people came to Christ. So uh, one, one last time, we're going to flip back to Romans. And it's going to give us a, a call to action in regards to, to sharing the gospel. Uh, so Romans chapter 10, we're going to read verse 14 and 15. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So God wants us to, to take our um, confidence in him and to share with others. It's through the gospel, hearing the gospel and God's working in people's lives that he brings them to himself. So we need to share the good news that he has given to us with other people so that God can use that, um, that word to call them into his kingdom as well. Now let's pray. Um, dear Heavenly Father, just thank you, Lord, for your redemption. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love to us. Thank you, Lord, that there's nothing that I or we can do to earn your favor, that you chose us before the world began. I thank you, Lord, that we can know that our salvation is secure. Once, once it's started, Lord, it is an unbreakable process. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness there, and thank you for the future glory that we're going to be able to share with you. I just pray, Lord, that we'll 
Use this confidence that you give us today to share your word with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.